everybody, this is Issei Cosette, and you are listening to Issei's Way, your favorite podcast that you didn't know you needed, you didn't know we existed, but we're so glad you're here, and this week we have another special guest, my mentor, professor, poet, Dr. Dana Bong Kuobong. Hello. <laughs> Hi, professor. I throw away greetings from Ghana, and from Canada, and from Puerto Rico to all those who are listening. I hope your day will be blessed. Today we're going to analyze and read and enjoy um, two of your poems. Yes, um, this particular poem came to me after Maria and Irma decided to hit Puerto Rico. And for me, coming from Ghana, I've always read about hurricanes and uh, I never knew what it was until 2017, September. So while I was walking through the ruins in my neighborhood, this poem came to me. Habiba Ma, Imma Habiba, translated Mother of Habiba, poem written shortly after Hurricane Irma and Maria hit Puerto Rico. I wish I could recount my puerile memories, memories of furtive voices of her children, memories still like repeating echoes from dreaded Mortanga arrowhead of hills, where Emma Habiba come to a maternal mystery, above the cave where twin-headed pythons whispered stories about her children that walked, who had swooped down on Saranchimoro's sofas, swept them like dry leaves across the black volta, who had risen to defend her children in Nanville, and squelched Babatu and his Abrama slavers. I wish I could recount our plural memories, memories of furtive voices of her children, memories still like repeating echoes to recall why she became a hermit in our midst, a lone shadow of our desire to neglect, the womb that nourished our spirits, some called her Habibama, others Imma Habiba. Why we never asked nor cared to ponder beyond shallow songs to dance on her shadow. Prancing like amazed newborn calves, singing like frightened weaver birds. Habiba ma, sinkan pebe, orayara, habiba mother, immachu peanuts, chewing spelling. Her presence excited all adults and kids, children who sucked thumbs or sniffled snot, gazed with wide pupils and quivering lips as she threaded softly through village paths, casting blessings in her greetings to all. Walking past the shadow of her prime, no one seemed to remember her real name, except that she was Habiba Ma, Imma Habiba. A Valentine Zuplima, an Anvil Kuroma, none could claim eternal motherhood like her, yet we, the children, never failed to sing and dance. Habiba Ma, Senkampebe, or Ayara, no other mother could walk like her, could imitate the beauty of her smile or walk, her hair, a lush grove that shaded her face. Must have startled savannah-covered heads, her calves and hunches encircled by beads, waistline and backline articulating language, eyes that glittered with love for all women born, voice that trembled with care for all little ones. Her arms strong yet radiating supple gentleness, and yet she walked in the silence of her mystery, and yet we the kids pranced and sang our song. Habiba ma, senkampebe, orayara. Her gliding silhouette rose against the rising sun rays, balanced a pot of water from Kuro. Her striding silhouette defied the sinking sun rays, 
smoke from her hermitage filtered through every aperture in the homes of families. We wondered what she cooked and what she ate, for no one ever saw her buy food from the market, and no one ever caught her sailing from their farms, and yet she exuded a beauty of joy unknown to us. We, the children and other mothers, only imagined why she lived alone in Nanville's dread hill, alone. Habibama, Sinkampebe, Orayara. She picked herbs from the first rains beside other women with crying babies. She helped wives and mothers sow peanuts in the season of sowing crops in distant farms. She was there to gather shear nuts in the bushes. She was there to decorate new homes of others. And never whispered a complaint against any. And all called her Habibama or Imma Habiba. Though there was no Habiba in Nanville. She worked besides women whose children sang. She worked beside men whose children danced. Habibama, Senkampebe, Orayara. We, the children, would wander in intrigue, asking the wind to whisper to us a secret. Habibama, Imma Habiba, where is she from? The wind only caressed its lips and blew away. Was her daughter named Habiba then? Did she lose her to a rival with evil eye? Did she lose her husband's attention then? Why does she sing lullaby along the village paths when dusk heard mothers' voices calling kids among the scattered and crowded homesteads? Impatient to wait, we sang and danced. Habibama, Sinkampebe, Orayara. Today, stranded, confused, unable to sing, I shiver and hum without tune or dance. At the crossing of Akaye Salamanca and Kaye Duke, amazed that Maria and Irma's sisters could tear away children from teats of laughter and hope, lick and kick children in the groins and chins, make us recall the agony of tears and despair. I wish I could recount my plural memories, memories of fertile voices of her children, memories still like repeating echoes. I wish I could recount my plural memories, memories of fertile voices of children, memories still like repeating echoes. I wonder... I would gather my tattered courage, walk back to you in supplication, drink deep the mysteries of your eyes, soak in the assurance of your smiles, and call you Emma, and call you Emma, Emma Mine Ma, my mother's mother, she who prevailed against evil in life, sang and danced with a new song and rhythm, Bihima Senkambirma Omminekote, children's mother, Machu Pinos, give us some. I wish I could recount my possible memories. Memories of fertile voices of children. Memories still like repeating echoes, alas, too late for the fracture, fracture, fractured memory can no longer mend what is broken. But I still see you in all mothers now. Emma Habiba. Habiba ma, rest in my heart. What made you want to focus on the mother image in this poem? Well, uh, both uh, hurricanes. They're like uh, they're they're female. Yeah. They're named Irma right. and Maria. In another poem, I did write that Irma was uh, the midwife of Maria. Okay. And Maria, uh, the major uh, pregnant winds, but it also connects me back to Ghana because uh, uh, hurricanes are always accused of being sent from West Africa mm -hmm. to the Caribbean. So the the two hurricanes basically hitting me hard. And I did not even uh, remember uh, Habibama until I started walking. And mm. then she just appeared like I had to stand at the intersections of Salamanca and Duke and write the poem, yeah. scribbled it down. 
so uh that's these hurricanes were like mothers but mothers in another poem of course i represent maria as uh, a terror okay. not not remembering in my maria the healing the nurturing the compassionate woman alone that nobody uh, accused of anything but she really was marginal then i also looked at myself as a Ghanaian living in puerto rico in this kind of disastrous situation i feel even more marginalized so the only way my memory could go back is to back to my village to my childhood to my uh, roots and recall this woman as the mother of mothers as being a Ghanaian who's in puerto rico mm -hmm. and you know being able to connect to both places and represent both places in the poem with incorporating your language and mixing with english and different experiences i feel that are that are represented in puerto rico so as an african poet right in the caribbean how do you connect those lines or how do you continue to bring voice to the africans or the representation of the life of africa in the caribbean um the word african is a bit too broad it's too uh, uh let's say uh it it reduces kind of reductive okay even though uh we all throw it around i am typically let's start with ghanaian right and not just ghanaian but a dagari poet so whatever i write is influenced more by my particular ethnicity and culture rather than generally Ghanaian culture rather than african cultures mm -hmm. because uh, africa is so big right so i'll call myself as a Ghanaian. There is uh, also a connection between Ghana and the Caribbean uh, because of the transatlantic slave trade. Mm -hmm. That majority of the uh, captives that were brought actually passed through Ghana because Ghana with its 350 mile coastline has already about 40 castles and forts built specifically for the slave trade. And so most people uh, who even claim to have come from Ghana is just because th that was the last port of departure. Right like Cromantin, you have ideas about Cromantin. we are Cromantin, we are Crom Cromantin is a tiny village but the british had a fort there so this in the in the shipping manifest it was Cromantin, Cromantin, or edina edina or go uh ogwa ogwa these different places so my connection here is as i walk through as i go from caribbean island to caribbean island having also studied african history and caribbean literature i see myself reflected and I begin to ask myself, what was the, uh, uh, I see myself caught between the two narratives. Mm. The narrative back in Ghana and the narrative from the diaspora. And I'm here both voluntary diaspora, but right. at the same <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I always say I'm looking for my other self. Okay. The other self that was taken away. Because mm -hmm. uh, we Africans uh, generally also need to recognize that we lost part of our soul. Mm -hmm. We lost part of, of ourselves. But thank God that those who were taken away did not forget. Mm -hmm. And for me, my presence here, my work which involves uh, uh, finding myself within these spaces is to make me not forget that I'm here and there and everywhere. I don't have a, a particular preference. So if I go to Dominica, I write about Dominica. I write about, I interrogate myself mm. as a Ghanaian 
coming into Dominica or showcasing certain cultural arrogance mm -hmm. <laughs> that, yeah, I'm from the authentic and being looked <laughs> at as by, by my brothers and sisters from the diaspora as the authentic. And I said, there's nothing authentic about me. Mm. Why not? Because authenticity means uh, purity and there's nothing pure about any culture, about mm -hmm. any person. We are constantly evolving and changing. That's true. Yeah. So when they say, oh, you must know this, I say, I don't know about Africa. I know about Ghana. I know about this. Okay. So if you are specific, fine. It's the same question as when I go to Canada. I'm also a citizen of Canada. That uh, where do you come from? Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't really know. I'm from Ghana. Right. There's a very short poem here. It's called Interrogation of Concession Street. This is in Canada. They come up quietly smiling, sudden from the shadows of their history, offering sympathy in wet platters to erase burdens of guilt under my stranded dance step. They come up winking. I am interrogated casually about origins of my smile, my response designed to obstruct become confirmations of their dreams that I must taste of defeat. They leave grinning through shadows on Concession Street and I standing confounded in the silence of fear. Now Concession Street in Hamilton was actually Afri Africaville. That's okay. where the, the Africans who lived in, in, in. so I, so uh, in, in Hamilton, mm -hmm. the steel city of, of, of Ontario, this was Africaville, but now it's the, the presence of Africa is erased completely. Really? Yes. So one has to dig into archives to find that, yes, this was Africaville. How did, I guess, the Af did they all migrate? Did they go back home or did it become gentrified? Like, how did this no, it, 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 it became gentrified, like uh, if you've read uh, uh, Tony Morrison's uh, Sula, mm. you find that the Africans were exiled to the top of, yeah. the, of the mountains. Harsh weather and the rich were down. Then suddenly as it became gentrified, the richer people climbed yeah. up mm -hmm. and displaced the Africans and gradually changed all the names and so on. So this poem was written uh, basically about that. People want to find out Jamaica, no. Trinidad, no. Mm -hmm. And then I give a very complicated answer, which <laughs> you always that. give a complicated <laughs> answer. But it's great because you allow us to think and you allow us to be able to recognize mm -hmm. and um, also accept that we are from many places and we are also um, influenced by many cultures. And I think for me, for example, like, I thought I, I grew up only just kind of focusing on just being Liberian or kind of focusing on being American, but I don't think I really understood what that was and um, the responsibility to be able to hold these titles or identify as these places. And when I came to the Caribbean or began to travel more and had to represent these, um, I guess, nationalities or identities. Like multiple what, multiple uh, uh, origins or right. multiple personalities. Right. It's not a disorder, as most people would think. It is actually a very ordered multiplicity. Right. So that you are not, uh, you can't say I'm purely this or purely that. Right. And that is what gives that culture a strength of survival. That it's able to negotiate in different positions. Right. I mean, in Caribbean theory, this is the so many Caribbean theorists and African-American theorists have talked about it. You cannot fix them at one spot. Mm. Were constantly they are constantly happy. mobile. They are constantly uh, uh, nomadic, if you want to put it that way. Right. Yeah. 
I know you have another poem that you're going to read before we close. I want to read from, <laughs> to show that uh, how being uh, coming from Ghana and going to the Caribbean islands, being seen and interpreted from the diaspora perspective, a very perhaps romanticized and mm. so on. And if I don't question my own self, who am I in this uh, space mm -hmm. that I belong but do not belong? What will happen and so this poem was written in st croix as i was going for a radio uh, interview okay. and uh, i thought okay we've been going to st croix with students they know about us we've already sent out a word i'll be there and then i go and sit down at uh, the radio station door waiting mm -hmm. to be recognized to be called in and for two and a half hours nobody paid attention to me Wow. That was fun because <laughs> it gave me time to write a lot of poems. <laughs> so Something this, so this poem is Saint Croix, the haunts of Co uh, Castle Cockley too. Okay. The radio station is in Castle Cockley. Okay. I misjudge my paper titles obtained from foreign lands of the West, where knowledge is manufactured. I misjudge my name in the illusion of my passport that I am the Anansi circulated in their law, carrying my god of troops from Ghana in these U.S. virgins of Caribbean islands, thus walking in the days of disillusion around the bend of sanity, stop, recall the red signs and listen to the litany of names, St. Alba, St. Lucia, St. Martin, St. Bart, St. John, St. Croix, St. Kitts, St. Domingue, St. Vincent, St. Eustatius, among others. I say, my Angelus, perhaps these names, oh so saintly, may become my crucifixion, my absolution, where to hang in silence on the left side of the cross, before unseeing eyes of ancestors sacrificed, to placate these names of Christendom will be my redemption, my condemnation. I embrace my sizzling illusion. Oh, Professor, like you just make me like, sometimes I feel so bad. Why? <laughs> I feel so good because it's like, it, you, I relate and I feel these poles are trying to be someone, like you said, I think the line of being that Nancy, the nanny the, figure. Yeah, right? the Anansi. The Anansi figure. That's that, right? the, the, the Anansi, if you go through the whole Caribbean folklore, say Anansi, 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 everybody mentions Anansi. Anansi is a Ghanaian word mm -hmm. for spider, the trickster. Mm. The bringer of stories from God, who tricks God to get uh, stories, mm -hmm. and so on. And I'm from Ghana, so therefore, and my own culture, the spider basically is also a culture hero. Okay, so I think, okay, they know I'm from Ghana, so I'll be welcome with drums and cymbals and, and, and flutes. Hooray, here comes the whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Only to, Just I have my can. passport, I have my doctorate certification, I'm right. a professor, I have all these. Manufactured by the West. Yes, like I'm all these important guy, and yet mm. I'm nothing. But, if, uh -huh. but it's interesting that you... In the West, you feel like that, but when you go home, you yeah. know, like you you are of the village, this is your home, you yeah. leave all that behind. Right. So how come 
<clears throat> in St. Croix, yeah. was it because you were going to have an interview or what made you feel that you had to hold up to this? Um, these names or degrees that you were No, the fact that we had uh, uh, called a radio station, mm. we had booked an appointment, they knew Dr. Kungwabon was coming to explain why we bring students to St. Croix, etc., etc., etc. And yet, there is a, a previous poem as I walk along, I also encounter the history of St. Croix, mm -hmm. uh, the plantations and so on, and how uh, it's almost like I'm passing through a ghost town to the radio station. Mm -hmm. And then when I arrive, uh, I have to wait for so long and that I was not even, my paper qualifications were not sufficient, my passport was not sufficient, my uh, black skin was not sufficient. Mm -hmm. They had never seen me to see a stranger sitting at the doorsteps and you don't even ask any questions. Oh, no. For me, that was also kind of telling me, yes, you may be from Ghana, you may be a PhD, you may, but you are an outsider also. Yeah. And I accepted that and that's how I wrote the poem. That all these do not qualify me to be uh, treated with any more uh, 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 exceptional what do you call it, uh, uh, given any exceptional treatment. Right. I think you, uh, you found power in realizing, accepting that you're an outsider because yeah. that kind of humbles you to be able to yeah. give authority to all of the places that you enter, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So you're saying, okay, I'm not too the poet or not too mm -hmm. doctor or not right. too... Though I'm from an outside, I still bring age and I bring challenge because yeah. I'm challenging myself. I'm yeah. challenging you to be able to think. Right. And be able to grow. So rather than getting angry at that, this kind of, I say, hey, let me mock myself. <laughs> uh, there are so many other poems too about Ghana. When I go back to Ghana, mm. uh, that I write about me re-entering Ghana as a what? One of those, I'm not a revolutionary, mm -hmm. though I escaped the revolution. <laughs> <laughs> and I do not, I come back with uh, some, uh, if I come back with certain arrogance, then I've missed it because uh, I know I don't belong. It's also part of the cultural uh, upbringing that if you don't live within the community, you have to begin to question yourself as you enter the community. What role can I play? Should I, I have to listen to the community, those who are living there. As they say, mm -hmm. people who sleep in the dark room, no which part leaks when it rains. Mm. You cannot be uh, an outsider and know which part of the roof leaks. So when I go to the village, it's the same story. I just keep quiet and I listen to my brothers and my sisters and my aunties. They are there. They know what is happening. And they make the decisions. Mine is to join the decision making rather than yeah i'm coming from america mm -hmm. i've got a phd i'm a writer i'm a professor so i know it all sorry i don't know anything right at that point mm -hmm. so this this is this, this is my constant self-reflection as i write whether writing about canada or ghana or or it's always about self-interrogation my own uh, uh, which prevents one from becoming angry it prevents you from getting depressed it prevents you from being arrogant and if it doesn't prevent it yeah. helps you know yeah aid and, you it, know, yeah move that it aids you from being humble yeah and humility is the strength not not uh, extreme uh, words and so on mm. yeah i wish we had more time because there's a poem about how in canada <laughs> we Ghanaians uh, exercise nostalgia through food 
Okay. Well, you know, <coughs> yeah. this is why we'll have another part two. And yeah. this will invite you back and you'll be able to continue yeah. to continue this conversation and see mm-hmm. where your self-reflection is. Mm-hmm. Because in a few months, you know, we're going to be, you'll be back from Ghana. Yeah. You may experience something new. Definitely. So, I can't wait. I actually look forward to that conversation. Um, as we end, I usually like to ask my guests. Um, Professor, <laughs> how are you on your way? How am I on my way? Um, how do I answer such a question? Uh, am I on the way? Or I'm revolving? I'm on a treadmill, running fast and going nowhere. What? It doesn't mean that I'm not benefiting from the treadmill. <laughs> but, okay, uh, let me guess. I'm working on two collections of new poetry. Yes. Which uh, I, I hope by the end of July I'll be submitting one. And then by December I'll submit the next one. I'm also working on uh, editing uh, three books of critical uh, writing about the Eastern Caribbean, about Ghana. Yep. That is Ghanaian. Uh, I'm editing that book with other professors. And uh, there is another collection of essays that I'm also editing, which will focus on the Eastern Caribbean. So, so I, busy, I'm like, uh, uh, as my people say in my language, in yela yaga, In yela yaga, Meaning, my affairs are many, or my goings are many, like spider's legs. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the spider? Yeah. You gotta find some spider poems and see where that takes yeah. us in the future. <laughs> Thank you, Professor, for taking out your time to just share your story and your wonderful poems and just reflect on, you know, yourself and seeing yourselves um, not only just here but throughout your poetry and your travels and thank you for always being a light in my life so yeah you can find some of his books on Amazon Voices from Kibbele Country and Caribbean Blues and Love Genealogy um, please show his work some love thank you thank you thank you guys for tuning in um, y'all stay blessed <laughs>